Ultra. Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are rowing through Disney's The Little Mermaid one minute at a time. I'm Andrew Dorowski. And I'm Kestra Dorowski. Today we are joined again by Chris Maverick from the Vox Popcast. Hey. That I just realized that's really hard to yeah, say. Yeah, it, it, it took a while when we first started the show. I would say podcast. I would mess up Vox. Like we, you get two years in, it's fine. Box podcast, <laughs> but it takes a while. <laughs> you get there, but yeah, when you're when you're guessing somewhere, that's a and, that's a tough one. I mean, when we were when we started um, our podcast and we were trying to figure out what to say for Dane, um, mm-hmm. and then damsels at the same time, like it took a while to be able to say those things, <laughs> and then suddenly we're like, oh, Disney Animation Secret Essential Listening yeah, Society. We, we pulled that together. So yeah, I guess after practice, it it comes together. Mm-hmm. Today, we are discussing minute 62 of The Little Mermaid, which begins with Eric guessing Rachel specifically as an example of possibly Ariel's name. Uh, And it ends with several fish singing, do what the music say. Uh, And we we have the camera focusing on Eric at the end of this minute. And during this minute, uh, Eric continues to guess Ariel's name. Sebastian gives him a clue as to what that is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Storks lift up the drapes and, and give them access into the really secretive part of the secret lagoon uh more song and then they look at each other romantically uh during the song mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of romantic staring and, and romantic music this, yes that is the bulk of this minute mm-hmm. can can we start off by talking about the way sebastian says ariel's name I, and the way no. eric says that, ariel's that's a, name that's a prime prime uh, note of mine is okay so is ariel a known name like eric's comfortable pronouncing it and is he familiar with sebastian's accent out in the world so that if he hears like a whisper in his ear ariel ariel which is why i think which is again going go to your last minute that's ariel. why i think sebastian is magic enough that eric can actually hear him because ariel <laughs> you know it's like that's not okay I have, because I, Eric goes, I speak crab and calypsin crab. crab. Okay, sure. Uh, Tr- Trinidadian, specifically. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's the, the particular accent that we, like, if we want to get technical. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's maybe a, a little thing where I'm like, how does Eric know what her name is based off of that? Like, how, did he, how does he get it right? I mean, it's similar to Tarzan, where... Jane has a British accent. And Tarzan and never Tarzan speaks with a British accent? Never after, talks like, with a British I've accent. I've never thought about that in my life. <laughs> really? No, I, I feel that. like you've never said that to me before. But that's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> All of the speakers of English that he interacts with speak with an English accent. With like, just, uh, like a, 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 a British English accent. I just have to point and out that... I, I never know. I never really good. Point. I never thought about that. I've taught the book Tarzan um, in my classes before. Um, I've taught the book, the, the real Tarzan. Well, the, the the book, the real Tarzan book, and I've taught the um, the cartoon, the Disney cartoon, as um, in, in in as a film in classes, and no one has ever pointed that out before, and that's really brilliant. Because what's interesting is really the book actually does point out. So at um, in the book, um, uh, in the book, Tarzan doesn't learn English originally from Jane. He learns it from somebody else, uh, a, char- a, a character who's not in the film. Um, and in the book, Tarzan, is, he learns, um, 
he he learned the character who teaches Tarzan English is um is uh who teach, teaches Tarzan, Tarzan to speak is a Frenchman and Tarzan had learned to read and write on his own so in the book Tarzan can read and write but he can't speak because he's never heard a human say a word so the Frenchman figures it'll be easier to teach Tarzan to speak if he just teaches them French first um so so what will happen is Tarzan is in, they're in this cave together and Tarzan's like all right let's try this one and he'll and he'll be like um D O G and the Frenchman will go shin and Tarzan's like shin okay so so Tarzan learns to and and then the Frenchman are, he learns all the English words in, in French with, oh, in, in French so, yeah. with the French. so Tarzan has this odd French accent in the book because uh, and then and then and then halfway through teaching Tarzan to speak the Frenchman learns okay this was a he knows too much English written word this was a really bad idea and they have to like they have to like start over but it actually does affect his speech that's, patterns in the book so that's funny. I, it's but, it's funny but also that you because guys... like in in the Disney animated version of Tarzan he does like start with the the British accent huh? the first time he interacts with Jane because he's True. he's he, but but that's only when he's like mimicking the sounds not mimicking right, the words not not learning words yeah and so that's the only time but he does specifically like mimic her accent and and tonality and everything which is an entertaining sequence so that's, that's um, a movie fifteen but, years but once now. He's, like, <laughs> I, I find it very funny that neither of you have ever heard that because in high school, all of my friends and I have talked about huh. that. <laughs> it never occurred so, to me. <laughs> but back back to yes. this film. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I had I had previously mentioned last yesterday that I would talk a little bit about the creation of the orchestration yes. and everything right. with that. So early on, they. They had a very low budget because this was this was the film that would make it or break it for the rest of Disney Animation Studio, and uh, so they had a very low budget. And, and Howard and, and Alan and at the top they didn't want to give them any extra oomph in it, and yes. so they gave them a small budget. They're like, "Okay, this is your last shot." By the way, we're going to treat it like you've already lost it. <laughs> yes. So they wanted to use their their money kind of sparingly and. And a little, and not spend it all up at fronts. So Alan and Howard created demos instead of orchestrations originally, and they wrote the the underscore and the soundtrack along with the animation, but with demos, not the orchestration. So they had the vocal performers uh, record their performances to the synthesized demos hmm. so it wasn't fully orchestrated was, even for for like jody or samuel to sing to no hmm. um which was the wrong way to do it because then things came together after the animation and then they had an orchestra and they're like some of these don't match up quite right with the synth because they match up better with synthesized music not mm-hmm. actual orchestrations so they learned from that and that and and they did it with orchestra for beauty and the beast um but so jody was never singing with an orchestra no Hmm. she was just singing with a synth track in the dark mind you yes (laughs) we've talked about that before that howard would have her sing in the dark for part of your world yes um that is weird and that and that helped them save a lot of money um 
yes, they, they've agreed that it's not the right way to do it. And they're like, <laughs> I wish we could go back and change that. But it did save them a lot of money up front and the very, very beginning. That really explains why when I watched or when we watched the Howard Ashman documentary on Disney Plus, the only like orchestra sessions that they had were For from Beauty, Beauty and, and the, the Beast. Beast. Mm. I was like, or I think they may have had a little bit from from Aladdin. Okay. Um, yeah. Also, but I was like, why don't they have any of these orchestra sessions from Little Mermaid? Like, I feel like that would be really important, guys. Like, like come on. They you have, have recorded sessions specifically with Part of Your World with Jody Benson, but, but that's really only her with a microphone, and, and headphones, Howard. and a couple of different people around her. Yeah, and, and like Howard, Howard right there with her, and so that really explains why that wasn't represented in the. Mm-hmm. in the documentary and, because it didn't exist. And so another thing that made this a uh, more a, a different um era for for animation was the way that they they animated to the demos that Alan and Howard had created. Um whereas typically they would animate and then have the orchestrators and the the songwriters all do it uh, um they were Afterwards. performing music to the animation mm-hmm. instead of so animating was, to the So this was this was a very different way to do it. Um, so that's that's just one way why it's just a little bit. I mean, different. if you hadn't told me, I probably would have never guessed that it's like, oh yeah, they totally did this completely differently yeah. with the orchestration and like recorded the synth tracks. Yeah. So I have a couple of names that I want to state that I found on IMDb um, for orchestrating or different. Um, um, musicians mm-hmm. uh for that that helped and some of them are uncredited and some of them are credited but the main orchestrator who helped alan write his first underscore which was for this film um and i've mentioned his name before but it's thomas pasatieri we've mentioned his name before it doesn't mean we know how to say it. <laughs> yeah exactly um so he he orchestrated the the film um then there are a couple of orchestrators so there's Harvey Cohen, there's Pete Anthony, and Philip Giffen. Then there does that mean that they helped like compose for the specific instruments, or what, what is an orchestrator? I'm not entirely sure, and I should look into. But it's that. probably really important. Yes, um, and then there's orchestra conductor. Uh, there's who was J A C Redford. Who he he's the conductor for the orchestra, okay. right? Then there's an orchestra contractor, who I'm assuming is contracting all the musicians. Yes, because this was probably you know like let's pull it together. Not we're using the Boston Pops or anything. Yeah, and there's two of those. There's T- Tonya Deval and Sandy De Crichon. Um, and then I've already mentioned some of the singers and vocalists, so let me mention the musicians. There's Louise Di Tullio, uh, who did the flute. There's Tom Boyd, who did the oboe and the English horn, both of which I know that the English horn make it sound like it's it's a brass instrument, but I play both the oboe and the English horn. They are they're, they're cousins. Mm. Yes, they're woodwinds. They're both cousins. Um, and another flautist is Ethner Roten, and a French horn is James Thatcher. And that is all the names that I have listed. That, that you could drum up for, yeah. for all of this. <laughs> Interestingly. Because it probably was like really like a pull it together. What musicians do you know? What instruments can they play? And we're going to like orchestrate this and we're going to record it. they had no right. money. Whereas, yeah. Whereas like John Williams, 
records with like a big orchestra and mm-hmm. and like a professional orchestra that's used to playing together and with the finished film projected behind him. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. can he can call in all this stuff. Um so But interestingly, if you listen to the instruments I listed, I did not list any stringed instruments. Mm-hmm. Do they have strings playing in this? Yeah. The strings, the, the, the crickets, the cricket they are I mean, violins. I mean, in my brain I I don't really think about like, okay, Sebastian's listed these things. They're actually going to be in no, here, they but actu- they are. Or percussion. I didn't mention any percussionists. Mm-hmm. Huh. And so there's a lot of uncredited players on, on all of this. And maybe when we get to the credits at the end of the film. It'll be more clear, but. But I thought I should mention the ones that I could find because this is technically the last song of the film. Given there is like yeah, the, is the last, the last like wedding song and, and mm-hmm. the but that's more um, oh, wow. of a choir. Yeah, and and her but, and the reprieve of her going ah, but the, yeah, the, this is yeah. the last actual like, song. Yeah, like like yeah. big performance. Like sometimes when we get into these Disney movies, there's fewer songs than you realize mm-hmm. and, yeah. and expect. Um, Especially like, if you listen to the Mulan album a lot, has, like I do. Like Mulan has four songs, mm-hmm. but you'd think like it's a musical. It's going to have you know seven or eight or ten or something. Tarzan has a bunch. Mm-hmm. Like Phil Collins went, went crazy. But it's that. Phil Collins, and you're like, oh, they all sound very and it's, similar. And it's a different type of musical yeah. uh, approach to it and everything. And so, um, yeah, some of them, you get into it, and you're like, there's fewer like song songs than I think of, hmm. than, than I think when you think of it as a, a big Disney musical. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you kind of think it's going to have 10 numbers. And then there are some that, like Hercules, where you're like, Oh yeah, that has more songs than I think because it has multiple of gospel truths. Yeah, and, the muses come in and, and do those yeah, those narrative so. uh, bits. Um, so one of the the podcasts that I've listened to recently to you know get some extra info on Little Mermaid uh, is called Art of the Score, and they focus ex- exclusively on music. Um, and they have a very good episode about Little Mermaid. They don't even actually get into everything. I don't think they talk about this song, um, but one of the uh, the host who who works on that regularly is conducting large orchestra performances of musical scores um, while they play the mu- movie in the background. I think um, I, I think they do it on a, on a regular schedule with lots of different movies. And so he's done Harry Potter and Star Wars and Indiana Jones stuff. And he talked about doing Little Mermaid with that um, that full orchestra doing the score. He's like, it sounds too big. Like that's one of the things that you realize when you have a full orchestra playing this music that was built for a, struce, a, a shoestring budget mm. is it sounds too big, right? If you play Little Mermaid music with the full orchestra, he's like, it feels like twice as much orchestra yeah. as you're supposed to have. It feels too powerful, too intense. You really have to like tone it down and, and keep it contained to match what the movie has. Because yeah. it's supposed to be eight, so it's mentioned- supposed to be twelve crickets. It's not even. Spo- I mean, like just yeah. To- yeah. yeah. <laughs> 12 crickets and some fireflies is very different. <laughs> so you mentioned that the art of the score didn't, you don't think they got to kiss the girl. And I listened to it. And I don't sure. think they did either. Yeah, I can't they, remember. They entirely. spent like two hours talking about they songs talk, the, and music and, in the movie. And, and they the didn't underscore, even get into like, everything. like the difference between Prince Eric's and regal they underscore. Do, they and do really fun Triton's. stuff. I, but I love it's, that It's podcast. really great. Yeah. It's a really great um, episode too. Uh, but there, so a lot of where I'm getting all, a lot of my, information on the music um is the commentary on our blu-ray disc as well which, as which includes alan Mankin. yes and as well as a bonus um on that disc which is howard's lecture mm-hmm. where they are talking about um 
where he Howard is talking to a lot of the animators and, and people working on the film about the different songs very early on. Some of these people didn't even like realize what was going on with the production or, or anything. And they, and they only gave him an hour and they're like, he was so close to finishing. He got through everything except kiss the girl. Like he didn't talk about kiss the girl. And I really wish and they're like, why couldn't you let him go on for another 20 minutes? <laughs> but they didn't, they, they, they had to get them, everybody else back to lunch or something. Mm. And so, but yeah, I find it very interesting that some people don't, like get to kiss the girl. Yeah, and, and, and like the discussion of the music. It's the best yeah. song, they even should. though it's, it's yes, really it's good. It was and nominated. And nominated. I mean, and... uh, should we get to uh, lyrics? Sure. Yes. Do you want to go for? Well, what what are the main things left? Lyrics or animals? Lyrics or animals? Or or Mav? Do you have any other um, notes? More mostly about the choreography and stuff, which will come after the lyrics. I mean, the, the lyrics are okay. there's fewer so, lyrics in this minute than there were in yesterday's. It's because we're towards the end of yeah, the song. So yeah. So let's. Let's get into the lyrics and we can talk about how that relates to the choreography throughout this, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. sequence. Okay. Uh, now's, now's your moment floating in a blue lagoon and you hear the tadpoles mm-hmm. going, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> boy, you better. I love these. I love these tadpoles. I love they're, Harmony. They're some real all-stars. How many tadpoles do you think there are? Oh. I didn't count. Well, okay. But like, they, there's so like the five, big one. There are six. Five, there are six. Are there yeah, six, yeah, 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 six yeah, 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 Um, then like you would think that there's six tadpoles, and that seems to be the effect. But I know when when Sebastian swims down, he's only accompanied by three. Yeah, there are only so unless three, three of them bailed, <laughs> um, each one did, did two yachts. Nope, there are only three. Hmm. Um, so uh, floating a bit blue lagoon. Boy, you better do it soon. No time will be better. I mean, do it now, because otherwise, like, mm-hmm. you're gonna waste. You, you time. do have a legitimate time limit <laughs> yeah. on this. Yeah. And then the next, the next phrase really relates to the spell and Ariel's voice being taken away. She don't say a word, mm-hmm. and she won't say a word until you kiss the girl. Yeah, that's that's the magic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like it, it, the song is doing a lot of work in like reiterating for the viewer mm-hmm. in case you forgot yes. that 20 minutes ago she lost her voice, yeah. mm-hmm. but it is like, it can be helpful. Uh, now, to yeah. be fair, you said, you know, no time. Would be, I mean, as far as Sebastian knows, he's got 24 more hours. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. yes, I realize what happens in the movie later complicates that, but he believes he's on day two. Yeah, so he yes. he believes he has another day here, but you know, no time would be better. But like, hey, like this is the romantic time. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, I'm I'm pulling out all the stops let's, now. Let's like, not waste any right. more time because anything what's, could happen. Yeah. I mean, there's no 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 reason to slow this down. You know, clearly these two people met like, yesterday. They should be married already. Absolutely, Disney logic. <laughs> and 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 I'm gonna say, Sebastian, like the average college student, knows that you don't want to press your deadline. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, okay. Well, I'm gonna get this turned in 24 hours early. Sure. Yeah. Okay. You know, and then I get to take a break. Mm-hmm. Right. Everyone turns in their stuff 24 hours early. Uh, no. No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is not a thing. Okay. But sure. Okay. <laughs> so now we have all the other animals joining in the fish and mm-hmm. the birds and yeah, because and... he, he like goes down. It's it, it sing with me, right? Well, no, that was yesterday. Oh, wait. That was when so, he, when he got the frogs to mm-hmm. sing, and now uh, we have all the animals but, coming so up. He and, swims down and like, and it gets like the yeah, extra right. going. And this 
this ramps up the orchestration right. and, yes. and chorus. Here's the bridge. This is the bridge of the song where you have the the beautiful, absolutely stunning swirling of the fish around the boat while they're in, which I just think is uh, they're swirling around the uh, around the boat. They do like they start doing the fountain tricks and stuff. It, it, it's it is Flounder's joining them. I, I love how they flounder in there. Yes. It's like, like it's like okay, flounder. All the other fish are different. But you're right there. It's like Flounder's got to do his part. Yep, yep. <laughs> that's this girl. You know, he's like he like again. He's he's. I mean, at the beginning of the movie, I mean, I, I realize that Sebastian and Ariel come become close throughout this, but they're not. You know, Flounder's actually her friend. Sebastian's mm-hmm. her dad's friend. You know, like you know, <laughs> you know, like you don't really want him around. Yeah. It's like, oh, my dad. Yeah, he is yeah. the chef. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 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 Flounder is really her. I mean. Her friend, she's kind of abusive to him, but you know, she's he's her friend and he's trying to help. And I appreciate that he's trying to help his friend. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not his ultimate like hero moment that comes later, but like, hey, he's there, he's doing his thing. And also, I've got to say, like, this this moment, like you said, with the the fish swirling around and everything, like, this is a great Mm -hmm. moment, and there's a reason that this seems to be like, I. Now I'm starting to doubt myself all of a sudden, but I feel like during the ride at Disneyland or at California Adventure, this is is a big scene, right? Like it better be. And like Flounder's there, like shooting up a a stream of water and and everything. Yes. And like, and that fixes in my head because this is a moment that seems so easy to just like pull out of this movie and you just play the music and you show this image and you, and your brain fills Mm -hmm. in all the extra context for it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. All right. This was, this was a candidate for our cover artwork hmm. for this season. Yes. Um, it was it was one of the short list um, for the artwork that we chose to to put on for our icon um, this season. And we we went with something else. But um, like because it's one of the strong images, yeah. like it works really well. And having iconic images in a, in a given moment in a movie is it, like it's important. It's, it's a significant thing. Yes continue with the lyrics yes let's let's finish them up sha-la-la-la-la don't be scared you got the mood prepared go on and kiss the girl mm-hmm. i mean the mood is prepared by sebastian yeah sebastian's kind of like tooting his own horn there <laughs> i mean he had to fix it because of scuttle yeah. being wah 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 <laughs> um, sha-la-la-la-la-la don't stop now don't try to hide it how you want to kiss the girl Okay. la 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 float along and listen to the song. The song say kiss the girl. This is where Scuttle starts joining in. And, and then flamingos. The flamingos just are... straight up bum rush him. And they're going to keep singing. They, yeah. they, they like get in and still do like a whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. And whoa. it's like, I love how everyone, like all of the other animals are immediately like, yes, we are on board. And like we're in on this, it's like you're ruining it. Get out of here! Like yeah. we are, we are up. Like we are backing Sebastian. <laughs> yeah. So the last three whoa whoa or the last three shalalalalalas um, mm-hmm. parts at the end where it says you gotta kiss the girl, go on and kiss the girl. Um, that's where the whoa woes come and it's mm-hmm. the fish inside the pelican's mouths. Shalalalalala, music play, do what the music say, and and then the rest is on tomorrow. But should we go ahead and finish the lyrics? Let's finish the lyrics because it, there's not a it's lot. Like three, it's, yeah, it's um, like three lines and yeah. harmonies. So, shalalalala, music play, do what the music say, you gotta kiss the girl. 
you've got to kiss the girl. Um, then you hear someone saying, why don't you? And then Sebastian says, you want to kiss the girl? You got to kiss the girl. Go on and kiss the girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty sure based on yesterday, like I think one of the flamingos is like featured chorus member. Yes. Uh, Cause he like leaned down and sang with Sebastian. And so like every time I hear the flamingos, I'm like, one of those flamingos has a fantastic voice. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know who it is. That's like the hard thing. It's like, we don't know who these people are, but it's a great little harmony. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, high but melodious and everything yeah. like who is singing it's this the, stuff it's this the moment in the power ballad like you said it's a pop song it's like it's the, it's their first real pop song because like if you're if you're thinking about you know your previous movies you know you don't even be, you know even before howard you don't have pop songs in cinderella right you have songs yeah. but not the same this is this is a moment like if you go back to like yesterday's minute um, you know, or even even before that, this song starts with Sebastian grabbing the plant and like, you know, I'm, you know, and he's being the jazz singer in the lounge. He's like, I'm about to give you some music that you can make love to. And he just leans forward and, you know, <laughs> it does that. And this is where this is that moment on stage where you have the where you have the 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 lead singer just runs up and he shares like Bruce Springsteen used to do this a lot. Let me share a mic with, um, with my guitarist, you know, <laughs> like the, yeah. that, that's what this is. It's like the, like we're, we're, we're getting towards the end of the song and we really just want to pull it together and get the crowd really into it. You know, there's a lot of emotion here, but not emotion from the two lovers. I mean, it, it is, but, the, but this is really, I think this minute is very much about the band, you know, the band such as it was. Yes. And, and, and like the mood, like the fireflies come in Mm -hmm. for a moment. And like, this is so performative to the audience. Like, Hey, audience, just enjoy this for this minute. It's not really like the story driving. It's just like, we are amping it up to like, we want you moving in your theater seats. Yeah. Cause I think the progression of the story happened. It's weird that it cut down, that it broke down like this with, you know, the movie by minute thing is, is relatively arbitrary because you're going to say the very end of this minute, the very end of this minute. But the previous minute, yesterday's minute, very much is about their relationship. And this is very, very much about, this is Sebastian's moment, just conducting this song. And like, you know, this is about, yeah. let me show you what I can do as a performer, an animated performer. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have a- also, I, I, I want to call out one thing, which I know, I know it's not going to be notated in the lyrics, but when the, um, fish all come up and start swirling mm-hmm. the boat and the boat does start spinning and everything. I love that they made a choice to have like rowdy crowd noise coming in where like some of those fish are like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, it's not part of the song. They're just into it. And they're and, like, and in, yeah, tomorrow's on, guys, minute, in tomorrow's minute, they do a couple of those things too with like the kissing and, mm-hmm. and everything. But, but I just love um, it coming from the fish that, mm-hmm. that, that like it's, it's, it's like a stage play. rowdy energy. But, so I have a couple of questions about the things that we've mentioned with the choreography, the swirling mm-hmm. and everything. Um, first off, when they're, when he's trying to guess her name, mm-hmm. uh, he stops rowing. And yet the boat seems to still be moving at quite a fast. A little faster than it should be. But yeah, I mean, okay. it would, you, you would, it depends. I'm now uh, uh, here's, <laughs> I'm an avid rafter as it turns out. I, I love rafting and kayaking. Um, <laughs> And it, I mean, it really was the week for Matt. Just coincidentally, um, I'm not so big on rowing. They're not in white water. They're in relatively slow, no. uh, so, uh, slow moving water. Now, there are places if, if you're on a good current rapid, 
you know, there are places that you can go where the stream of the of the of the river will push you and you don't really need to row other than the correct course every once in a while. You can do that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It will, you know, now long as you, I mean, and it's, it's kind of counterintuitive because when, when, when the rapids are really, really strong, you want to row constantly because you're trying to keep the boat under control. So there is this middle ground where the water's not absolutely still. So you don't need to propel yourself. And yet the jet will, you know, just sort of th- think about it like um, you guys said you went to to Disneyland. Think about it like any water ride where the boat just gets pushed along along the gentle river. That yeah. is the thing that happens. Um, animation wise, the river looks calmer than should make that happen. But, you know, it's it's a cartoon. <laughs> so it is I mean, it is weird. Know, yeah, I don't know what kind of body of water they're in because because well, Eric's, they, Eric's... Said, they said lagoon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but they okay. and so you would assume, yeah they, assume it's lagoon by the sea, but like I it's just yeah. it's yeah they're ocean adjacent because of where the movie starts right and he's I don't know he does he does row himself into um into not only the lagoon uh, we should talk about that too so they they pull back the veil of the you know the romantic the, grotto the, the willow tree yeah. Yeah, the grotto, and they and they 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 row That's into the most romantic word in the English yes. language. Grotto. And they're in the well, and but they're in. I believe, and this is I don't know how, if you guys have talked to the, about this before or not. Because again, um, I believe just having watched it and gone back to check that this is the grotto from Fantasia because there is rumors that Fantasia is a prequel to like that. The little mermaid, one of the mermaids in Fantasia looks like Ariel a bit to where some people theorize that that's Ariel's mom. And Um, are you, I don't remember mermaids in Fantasia. Oh, it's in, uh, but we've talked about this Peter Pan. Yeah. Uh, Oh, is it it Peter Pan or is it Fantasia? We we've talked about it with Peter Pan mermaids. Okay, uh, because Fantasia has like the centaurs. The centaurs. And, yeah, Fantasia uh, has the centaurs. Peter Pan has the mermaids. Right. Okay, I'm just gonna. Which, yes. which has, I mean, but yes, comparable. Yeah, I just look. Cause, um, but, but yeah, there, I just there are picture. mermaids. But that, they are in. They are. They're in a grotto like this. Well, yeah, and there's implications that Ariel's mom was killed by a pirate, and yes. Triton ref, refers to a fish eater's fish, Yes, and so there's okay. like, there's enough like there to say. All right, yeah, Ariel's probably. mom, Neverland mermaid. Okay, so are um, they re- and Captain so Hunt. are they recalling that kind of you know is this kind of just a thing that like air that mermaids find you know because again we believe that Sebastian just set up this entire date right like he I mean I know Eric thinks it's his idea they're going this romantic thing but if <laughs> but if Sebastian has planned the aesthetic of you know if he's planned this entire magic right to to make. Yeah, if he, I mean, if he set up the band, you know, you, you called it a flash mob. And if he set up the flash mob band of, of of turtles and and you know fish and frogs, then like maybe he just has it set up, and you know we're gonna take it to the place that she finds her. Because I don't think he's just trying to ma- manipulate Eric. And I, I said manipulate before because I'm being hard on Sebastian, but <laughs> but like he does care about her. Like I think he thinks they like they like each other. Yes. I realize it's like a 24 or 48 hour Romeo and Juliet kind of thing where they don't really know each other, but like they're, but in, in romantic storyline world, that's long enough. And he does care for her. And I think he wants her to enjoy it too. I think he's trying to get them. He's not just trying to get her to, uh, to kiss him. He's trying to get them to fall in love. So I, I think yeah. so the mm-hmm. entire, you know, the entire thing is this is very much a dream date for her as well as Eric. 
So I had another question. Okay. With the fish turning the boat around, the fireflies circling around them, the fish going around them with the fountains. How I can see how Ariel would like notice it and and, like ignore it because like this is or just accept it or accept it. What's going on? She knows Sebastian is doing this. He doesn't. She knows. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I mean, and we talked about how like like the the questioning about like what can what can Eric hear and 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 perceive in this situation. But like, can he not? Can does he? Sorry, go ahead. I want to point out that Ariel also had experience with Sebastian's spontaneous orchestration and ensemble with under the sea yes but does does eric not realize that their boat is spinning or that there are animals around them when you're in the moment (laughs) yeah i mean you you don't realize you know it's i'm trying to think of like a decent example you know where there's like the fireworks and people attribute it to the kiss if yeah we watched Kesper and I, we watched uh, The Man Who Knew Too Little. And there's a kiss at the end. And during that kiss, a, a helicopter explodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Bill Murray says, wow, that kiss was something. Yeah, it's the it's <laughs> classic comedy movie that you get the first kiss and you're like, oh, the earth moved. Oh, no, we're actually having an earthquake. Yeah, that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. And so yeah. he's just he's just enchanted mm-hmm. in okay. the moment. He's giving into the feelings. He's he's like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to keep rowing. I'm I'm focused on the girl. Yeah, and I okay. and I think that he's. I mean, we talked we, we talked yesterday. As Kesper rolls her <laughs> eyes at me. No, no, but I, okay, okay. I, don't, I don't think he's. I don't think he's not realizing it. I think it's more. We talked yesterday about how respectful Eric is. He's not trying. You know, he doesn't want to push her too far. He's not. He he's trying to let her set the pace, and he's also. You know, he's he's in. He's he, he's. You know too you know i mean not just too shy he he's you know not not quick enough not observant enough to to realize that she is into it so at, at now he's trying to he's starting to figure that out he sees this romantic thing going on and he understands he, I, I think he understands particularly towards the end of the minute when they you know they're about to kiss right he understands that the kiss is happening they're not in imminent danger you know like the yeah the boat's <laughs> spinning a little bit but we're in still water we're in a relative you know that we that we're, we're in a grotto yeah, yeah we're, we're in a grotto worst case scenario we you know the we get a little wet but it's fine it's not like it's not like they're it's not like they're in the middle of the ocean when he almost died earlier this is a relatively safe thing <laughs> and it's just kind of a romantic day uh, day for you know this first date i i think it's i think it's fine okay all right should we go on to animals yeah let's hit the animals now don't worry i didn't do as much research as i did <laughs> for ender the sea right and and mav you haven't heard it but it is extensive you'll <laughs> you'll learn more about marine life than uh, you ever thought disney could teach you. okay i look forward to um, but this is, this is mostly shore life anyway so slightly different yes so the I'm just going to first off name what animals we see, and then I'll go back and do the brief research that I have done. Okay. Okay. We have the ducks, which I believe are mallards, just by basing off of... Yeah, basic research. Mallards who look oddly like, like Daffy instead of Donald. Yeah. <laughs> it, that, that's what yes. I've always noticed about this movie. They, they're, they're but they've also got, her. like... But they've also got, like, cool guy 90s floppy hair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, then we have small turtles. Not to be confused with other turtles. <laughs> well, there's another another turtle. That there's comes two in. other turtles. Yes. Uh, then we have the grasshoppers or crickets. Unsure. 
uh, flamingos, frogs, uh-huh. pelicans. Uh-huh. Then there's a big turtle. That big turtle looks. That's the one with the lily pad on its head. Yeah, it, has, it like makes it look like hair, and that turtle also looks like they do not quite know what's going on. <laughs> he he looks very similar to a turtle that is in the um that is featured in the little mermaid the series oh um whose name is dudley so dudley dudley okay i'm not entirely sure if that is him or not because dudley's pretty old but like we'll call that dudley okay then we have storks or Mm -hmm. herons yeah i'll talk about that in a minute okay uh the tadpoles Mm -hmm. lots and lots of fish i did not go into detail about the fish i did Pretty. I did Fair enough. a little bit of research on fish earlier, and and there were a lot of mingled fish. This is yes. the rowdy crew. Yeah, fireflies or lightning bugs, depending on how you want to say them. I always prefer to say lightning bugs. And I always prefer to say fireflies. <laughs> is this tearing your um, relationship apart? <laughs> no, but it's a consistent disagreement. Okay. <laughs> and seagulls. And, and okay, typical seagulls. Um, there's also like oh and birds. The, the, there's a variety of birds, mm-hmm. yes. just like there's a variety of fish. Some bluebirds, some other birds. Birds um, with hair. Yeah, one of the bluebirds has black hair mm-hmm. and sideburns. Yes, uh, like fairly substantial. And so I s- assume that there's like intentional caricature going mm-hmm. on. Like we're making a gag out of this, but it's a really small clip, so we're not going to dig in too hard. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So those are the animals that I could see. Mm-hmm. Did you notice any others that I missed? I think that covers them pretty, yeah, that was a lot. pretty effectively. <laughs> All right. So the I mean the and the, the other turtle. Um, well, I, she said turtle. It might be in the next minute. Uh, Sebastian sits on the turtle's head. I think briefly. That's that's here. Yeah. That's so, the turtle with the lily pad on his. head. But then there, towards the end, there's another turtle, and it's it looked different. It was like a weirder shade of green. It was much more yellow. Mm. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty that sure, I didn't but it might be in the next one. Okay. I'm not believing you, but I could be wrong. <laughs> on social media, we'll, we'll be posting pictures of <laughs> these turtles to see if they seem like different turtles. All right. So mallards. Um, they are dabbling ducks, which mean they don't dive under to get food. Okay. They, they are at the surface. They to dabble. Get... Yeah. Yeah. They are found in temperate and subtropical um Americas, Euro-Siberia, okay. and North Africa. So we can stick with the the Denmark. But Euro-Siberia. I I think you'll I think you'll you I, I think we can still count Denmark. And they've been introduced to other yeah. countries as well, like New Zealand, Australia, Peru, Br- Brazil, Uruguay. Yeah. This is the type of casual research you can expect from Castro. <laughs> <laughs> Not um, deep at all. Yes. Um crickets or grasshoppers i try to find like it's like so 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 the research i found was they looked like grasshoppers but the sound and like the things they do make it seem like they're more like crickets but crickets and grasshoppers are basically cousins yeah they're very similar i don't know i don't know the exact difference other than like definitely when you hear the chirping and these are you know they're the strings so that usually means crickets right like crickets are the louder ones Yes. Yes. I think. Crickets are found all around the world except in colder regions at latitude higher than 55 degrees north and south. How far north is Denmark? I can't do geography. Yeah. We might, we're, we're, we, we might have so to be I in southern Denmark. And, um, like, it's 
Europe is about the 50 degree mark. Okay. I, I, like, Great Britain is in the 50, is like 55 to 60 degree mark. Okay. So we might have to be in Southern Denmark. Denmark's is latitude fair. is 56.2639 degrees north. Okay, okay. So yeah, we can get by with that. Crickets could be there. Okay. Flamingos. This seems like it might be a stretch. <laughs> they are found throughout the Americas. Okay. Africa. Okay. Asia and Europe. But let me show you a picture of the regions that they are found. And I will post this. Does it exclude Denmark specifically? Or is it? That is. Oh, and I'll okay. post that picture. It's always coastal. It is always coastal. Um, except for some substantial portions of South America, like all throughout Argentina. Um Okay, so it really seems like Southern Europe. So these would have to be like domesticated flamingos that Eric's family has kept in the lagoon or something, yes. right? We can we can make excuses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll we'll make excuses. Okay. On this show. Pelicans they are trop, uh, found in tropics um, to temperate areas. Okay. Um, they um, except for they are in a little bit of the interior of South um, America. And they are not in polar regions. Okay, so maybe a little stretch there. Yes. So the strong chance, maybe this is Eric's Mediterranean villa. (laughs) That could be our excuse. Yeah, okay. Storks. So I looked at these storks. These look like storks. It is not a good look that we get. But storks (laughs) are typically found in drier habitats. So these could be herons, spoonbills, or ibises. Hmm. Okay. Um, which are like the relatives of the storks, but found in wetlands. All right. Uh, so they, um, so they look like storks, but they are found. Um, but they like the way that they are. It seems like they're more like herons or something like that. Okay. But storks are found, uh, they're cosmopolitan distribution, which means that they are mostly found throughout the world, except for a couple of areas, um, like the poles and more, most of North America and Australia. Okay. Um, so they could be storks, right? Right. Herons are found on coasts on all continents, except Antarctica. Okay. Same with spoonbills. Okay, so there's going to be something. But herons aren't found in colder regions, um, like extremes coldest. Um, And ibises are typically found in wetlands and forests and plains. Okay. Okay, that's all the... So do you think storks and herons and... Yeah. I think they could be more like herons. Yeah, that seems maybe most likely. Fireflies. Mm -hmm. Or lightning bugs. Um. They are found in temperate and tropical climates, typically in wetlands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in Euro, yeah, they're, they're swamp bugs. In Euroasia, they are called glowworms. Oh, gross. And there are glowworms are the same thing as fly, fireflies, or they're not? I was never sure of that as a kid. I the research that I found via was Wikipedia was saying fireflies are lightning bugs, but in Euroasia they call them glowworms. Okay. So I'm. Like it's Wikipedia, so it could be okay. wrong. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I, I have heard that before, but I I never knew. Like there was a there was 
um, I was a little too old for it, but when my when my younger brothers and my younger sister were kids, there was a glowworm stuffed animal toy that was just like a stuffed animal that was a worm, and you hugged it and its head glowed, and then they they made like a firefly variant and it had wings. So I don't I don't I but I never knew how accurate that was. I mean, it, it seems like it seems like in other parts of the world, if you call it a glowworm. It's hmm. it's something different, but like it was seeming like it seemed like Eurasia, some at least some places they call them glowworms, okay. but they they are fireflies or lightning bugs. Okay, um, that's all of the animal notes I did. So okay. it took up a lot less time than under the sea, right? <laughs> yes, and, and we packed it into one minute. Yay! <laughs> uh, one one like episode minute, not one mm-hmm. minute of discussion. Yes. Um, any any other notes on this minute? No, uh, just I mean what we were saying earlier I, I this one is to me this entire minute is all about the performance it's not it's not about moving the plot along it, it is it does a little bit but this is just the uh, this is sebastian's moment this entire minute is just like the the and again i'm talking about him like he's a real character who wasn't just drawn but like the the amount of time that it went for him to craft this this flash mob, as you called it, is just absolutely brilliant, and th- that's what I love about this one. I like the harmonizing, the choreography, the beauty of the you know the blue lagoon. Um, like I like I lo- I love I love everything that just goes into here. Um, especially as critical as I was on of uh, on Sebastian yesterday about him, you know, gaslighting these poor teenagers. Um, <laughs> like. He's doing a good job of it, and he's doing it out of love. Yeah, and, and like, he also has, like, a diva side to him, where he's like, look, if I'm going to do a good job with this, I I am going to do a good job. He has a lot of pride in, in his work. Well, it goes back to his opening um, number, which, which, you know, like, Sebastian's entire problem with, with Ariel is that he embarrassed him, she embarrassed him by not showing up in the, in the, in the seashell when he was doing his big opening number. So, you know, so if he's going to do it, he's going to do it right. Absolutely. You know, no half steps from, right. yeah. from, from Sebastian. All right, that's all we have for you today, listeners. We're part of Dueling Genre, and you can find us and many other podcasts at DuelingGenre.com. There you will also find a link to a, uh, to a Patreon page where you can support all the Dueling Genre productions. We're on Twitter and Instagram at DizMinute, on email as DisneyAnimationMinute at gmail.com, and on Facebook at the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society or Damsels Group. And our guest Mav can be found at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, um always at chris maverick everywhere on social media and you can follow my show vox popcast v-o-x-p-o-p-c-a-s-t where we analyze pop culture um a different topic every week some way that pop culture in intersects with the culture and the world around us and it's always you know it is a weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's it's having it's having a conversation in a bar with really smart people so please listen subscribe and listen thank you for that Mav and until next time listeners thank you for making us part of your world <laughs> <laughs>